Hey, welcome to Design Huddle. This is a podcast for anyone that wants to get inspired and learn how to build cool stuff with cooler people. We interview designers, creators, influencers, and sometimes just chat about interesting design topics. We'll hit on things like product design, UX best practices, and how you can up-level your personal brand. This podcast is hosted by myself, your boy, Ryan Warrender, a UX designer and taco enthusiast based in New York City, and Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500 companies. We started this podcast to learn from each other, the community, and most important, you, the listeners. So thank you for tuning in, and let's dive in to today's episode of Design Huddle. Let's go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alright guys, you already know what it is. Today on Design Huddle, we are talking about an awesome topic in regards to how to measure UX success. Now, me and Ryan are going to go over a couple different ways to measure that success. So Ryan, let's start it off. Give us the deeds on the first couple rounds of or really different ways of measuring UX success. Yeah, I mean, let's start from the top, right? There's two ways to think about success. You can think about it qualitatively and quantitatively. You know, qualitatively is like, you know, asking users, you know, is the experience better? Quantitative is looking more at data driven or a data oriented um, my preference is actually a data informed approach. Before we get into, you know, how does, how do you actually measure impact, right? So mm-hmm. part of being a UX designer, our, our goal is to solve a problem. Yep. A lot of times a problem can be something simple, right? A lot of times UX designers are hired to help a business achieve some sort of goal. That goal could be more conversions, increased sales. Um, lower the bounce rate, make my site faster, um, increase the number of email signups. It could be anything. So the most important thing that a UX designer could do, a project manager could do, or you know anybody that's kind of coordinating this process end to end, their job is to establish these goals up front. Mm-hmm. Too often we change the goals as we go through the process but it's super clear to have a few goals that you rally around for the entire thing. And there's a few different ways to think about this. So, you know, I, again, like I come from a web background, so we'll use web examples. I know Brandon comes from a web background. This might be different if you're creating like, you know, a physical interface, but I think most of the design community that follows us, they're in like a web related, um, you know, either web or mobile or mobile web or mobile app. So, um, One way to think about this is that, let's just come up with an example, right? So Design Huddle has an online store and I hire Brendan to come in and look at our store's data. So what he does is he looks at, you know, our backend data. He looks at how users are interacting with the site. 
And basically he comes up with a few things that he knows will help Design Huddle's online store grow. We want to sell more Design Huddle t-shirts. So Brendan looks at the data. He has his pers- he has his you know perspective in the back of his head. He pauses and he asks me the question, what does success look like for you? And he he waits and there's an awkward pause that you know counts to five in his head and he lets me talk. And you know, as the as the as the owner of the site, you know, design huddle apparel or whatever, you know, I could say like success to me looks like I want to sell more shirts. So Brendan says, okay, that's obvious. Like you're an e-com site, you want to sell more shirts. So Brendan kind of takes it one step further and says, you know, let's look at what what does it actually mean to sell more shirts? Well, there's a few things. I would start with the highest level, which is that you want to sell more shirts. You can look at a metric like revenue. They want more sales. So right now you're selling $10,000 a month. Let's set a goal of increasing it by, I don't know, 10% by the following month. So sales is the first metric that we're focusing on. The second metric could be something that's a little less obvious, like conversion rate on one of your top products. So sometimes it's too hard to think about doing, you know, making all of these changes across the entire site. So one way to start is looking at your top landing pages, um, your homepage or the main entry point into the experience. So one thing that you can do is say like, we want to increase the conversion rate of our top selling product by 1% or 2%, which is, that would be a huge uplift in sales if you're able to do that. So our first one, our first metric we set was sales. Our second is uh, conversion rate. And then the third would be something which I call like a micro transaction, which could be like bounce rate, or shares, or uh, email signups, something along those lines. My favorite is actually bounce rate. So we wanna reduce the bounce rate so you're actually getting more users having longer sessions on a website. Brendan kind of comes back to me and says, those are the three that I recommend. So he established those three things up front, and then me as the business, I feel comfortable because those are three things that are tied back to my goal, which is something simple, sell more shirts. So another way to think about this is using a framework. So there's a ton of frameworks on measuring UX success. If you just Google like, you know, what does UX success look like? There's a ton that come up. Um, One that's one of the most common is R-A-R-R-A. So what that actually stands for is retention. Do they come back over time? Are more users coming back to buy things from the design huddle store? Activation, which is what percent have a good initial experience? So you know, how many people are actually looking at multiple pages or converting on their first session or their first visit to a site. Um, another one is the, 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 the second, second R is referral. Do they like it enough to tell their friends? That's what I was referring to as a microtransaction. So you could look at things like Instagram, uh, like posts or like, sorry, tweets or uh, Facebook likes or you know, something along those lines where people are doing referrals. Um, revenue, obviously huge. Can you monetize any of this behavior? Are you seeing an increase in sales? And then acquisition is where the, what channels, you know, do users come from? Brendan and I look at the acquisition all the time on the design, on the, for Design Huddle, seeing, you know, where people are actually consuming this podcast. We know that, you know, 75% of our users are on iOS and that the most common place that people are actually listening to this podcast is a split between Anchor, Spotify, and um, Apple uh, Music. So 
or I guess it's uh, Apple Podcast would be the, the formal name for it. So those are like our three main acquisition uh, channels. So that's one framework, retention, activation, referral, revenue, and acquisition. So the bottom line is, is that it doesn't matter what metrics you pick, but you need to pick them up front and make sure that there's an agreement between all cross-functional teams. If you're freelance, it's just you and your customer. If it's a, if you work for a company, it's, you know, your marketing team, your engineering team, your product team, and your design team. Everyone rallies around one common goal. I think the, the one thing that like, I want to make sure that we, we hit on is there's a series of questions that you can ask as well. The first is obvious and I'll let Brendan kind of jump into on like which ones he thinks, but the ones that I want to start with is, did you solve a problem? As we've talked about before, design isn't just like pixels and colors at its core, but it's actually about solving a, a user's problem. So if you solve the problem, then you succeeded. The second question you should ask is, did you empathize with your users? Did you put yourself in their shoes? Were you able to go from point A to point B with the least amount of friction as possible? So was it easy to come to the Design Huddle Apparel store and buy a shirt in a timely fashion and get the shirt that you want in your size and have a shipping confirmation? So what does that end-to-end -end experience look like from the second you land on the, on the homepage to that confirmation email to prove that you have completed the transaction? The next question I always ask is, does this version look or function better than the last? So a lot of times websites and design is iterative, right? You're not making all of the changes at once. You need to progressively enhance an experience. So it's super important that you set realistic goals of what you can accomplish during this version. A lot of times what happens is designers try to do a redesign and they try to do too much out of the gate. So it's really important to kind of set you know, phases of, of, a, of, a of a redesign. Or if you already have a site live, it's figuring out which features, like you know, such, you know, rolling out things like auto pay or, um, or you know, and uh, using a checkout solution like, you know, an automated checkout solution. Those are things that you would prioritize and feature because users are dropping off during the point of checkout. So, the question again was, does this version is this version better than the last version? And one of the ones that I think is the most important from a from a from a qualitative perspective is, were you efficient? Were you more efficient than last time? So there's a few ways to think about this. You can look at time on site, but sometimes time on site is a misread is a misleading metric. And what that actually means is like if you look at web analytics, how long was someone on your website or mobile app or mobile website? Um, time on site is, is is it can be misleading. Sometimes if you see a drop on time on site, that is because users are more effective. It depends on the industry, right? If you're an e-com site and you're just selling like, you know, t-shirts, chances are you probably want a, you want to see a decrease in time to checkout because that means users are finding what they're looking for and they're checking out in a timely fashion and you're giving them time back in their day. That is a good, that is a good experience. If you see an increase because the site's too complicated and there's too many steps, you're going to see two things. You're going to see a higher bounce rate, a higher exit rate, and more, like, more likely than not, a lower conversion rate. So those are three like quantitative and you know, ways to do it. And the last thing I'll say is you can qualitatively do this by you know, doing user tests, by giving, you know, bringing in 10 users that like basically you know, have you bought something in the past and survey them, asking them, what did they think about the experience? What did they, what did they like? What did they not like? And the thing about user research is you really only need like five people to get a good sense of whether or not the experience is trending in the right direction. So I really do think it's a balance between qualitative and quantitative. 
There's a few more questions, but those are the first four that I would highly recommend thinking about. But Brendan, like, what's your take on this topic? Yeah, man, we got guys, we got super nerdy on this episode. We have we've gone through about seven good points. And really, um, Ryan did the massive due diligence on this topic. But I, between this qualitative and quantitative reason being that and I'm, I'm glad Ryan, uh, you know, backs me on this is starting with quantitative first is because there's uh, you can't people can tell you why things happen, but they can't give you, uh, you know, especially if there's a for example, if there's a flow, a piece, a part of the flow of a, for this example, we were talking about an e-commerce page. If there's something wrong in regards to uh, that part in the flow, like let's say um, I'm trying to buy a, uh, a brand new bed for some reason. And before the actual checkout process, there's, you know, the user experience of the page before that, I have no idea how to actually continue to my purchase. So that would knock down um there would be a huge bounce rate since we we're using we we're talking about bounce rate in this particular example and what that really is is that is where people are dropping off your page or really your site experience they're just going away that's a good way of thinking about it the, the specific definition is like it's a per, it's a percentage of visitors to your site who navigate away from the site after viewing one page so like a common thing that comes up is bounce rate versus exit rate so if, you, if you're a user that comes on a website and leaves immediately and doesn't click on another page, like they don't, you don't go look at any products, you don't, look, you don't click anywhere else, you just view the homepage and leave, that's a bounce. But if you go through the funnel, so you, you know, come on the landing page, click on the product categories, product details, and then at the product detail page, you're like, whoa, this is so expensive, I'm out, and you leave, that would be considered an exit. So bounce, think, you know, only you know, viewing after only one page, exit, you basically have more than one click and then you leave the experience. So that's the distinction between those. So when we're talking about using quantitative data, looking at the numbers and basically trying to, in this case, I'm going to use an example of, uh, we're trying to, we're trying to use the data to find where the holes are in our water cup. There's people spilling out of our site. So what Ryan was talking about is using the data to find where this broken piece of the flow is and then from there measure the impact if we have um and you can correct me you said it's the exit yeah so yeah i mean it, it's it so bounce rate is um the so a good way a good yeah the good a good way of thinking about it right is that like we have design huddle apparel and there's a hundred users that come on the site and 10 of the users immediately leave the site and they don't click anything else so that would be a 10 percent uh bounce rate versus the other users. So you have 100 users that come on the site, 100 users that click on top products, and then they click on the design huddle black tee. And then they, they're like, whoa, this is 80 bucks. This is so expensive. I'm leaving. And those 10 users leave at the, you know, at the product detail page right before the checkout. That is a 10% exit rate. So the they're both important and they yeah. both measure different things. The reason that bounce rate is important because that is a better indicator of the entry points into your site. So a lot of times I like to focus on where are the top entry points into a web experience. Most of the time, most people are going to be focusing on your landing page. Basically think of like where would you, if you had a if you had a hundred dollars to spend mm -hmm. to promote your your site or your app what would the URL be? So for Brendan and I, like it's basically, if you go to the design, our design huddle handle on Instagram and you click the URL, 
that's where we're trying to point our traffic. That is our top landing page that we care about in our experience. So um, we don't own the site. Obviously, we're pointing to Anchor, so you guys can just download the app or listen to future episodes. But if we did own, but if we did own the website, we would be tracking the bounce rate to see, hey, maybe the site's taking too long to load, or maybe we put too much things and we're overwhelming the user. So that's why like bounce rate is a really good indicator of how users are perceiving and how users are basically taking in that first impression. So in basically that entire, you know, first part of the conversation is we're really trying to find the holes in our water cup and we're using then from there, we're trying to then pick the measure uh, or really what we're going to actually measure in terms of impact. Are we, you know, Ryan rattled off a couple things. Are we looking um, to increase conversion rate sales? Um, you know, how long people are staying on a page. So we have to pick our goal and trying not to through the entire process of trying to, you know, uh, you know, increase whatever metric we're trying to improve. We don't want to, you know, switch that up multiple times throughout working on this project. So we want to stick with one goal. Yeah, that, that I mean, that's a great point, Brendan, right? Like too, too often you start with bounce rate and then you pivot and then you're like, you know, what, we're going to track you start. You, so you set the goal as like we want to reduce our homepage bounce rate by 10 percent. But, and then you change it down the road to be like, we want a 10% lower exit rate on our top, you know, our top selling graphic tee. But the issue is, is that you can't change it, right? Like you're focusing on, you need to set a goal and focus on it. So if the goal is to reduce bounce rate, there's a few things you could look at. You could look at number one, you know, is it taking too long to load? Is the page taking five or six seconds to render? A lot of designers are like, that's not on me, that's on the engineer, but I disagree. I think it's absolutely on the designer and you should always be look, looking at to see if the page is rendering you know, in a timely fashion. The second could be you have too much stuff going on. Like one thing that I am very anti is an automatic carousel. So are, do you have an automatic carousel that's distracting users from the, from the primary call to action? Or is there too much over, like you have like a lot of like, you know, pop-ups and like stuff coming in that distract users that overwhelm them and force them to leave. That's one thing to think about. And the third could be, you're just not conveying what you do. Mm -hmm. Too often you don't have, you, you're a lot of times when, a, when you're coming into an experience for the first time, it needs to be super clear what you actually do. Like what, what, it, what do you provide? So if Designs Huddle had an apparel, we would want a value prop to be like the place for a place to level up your design career. That's our call to action. That's our value prop. That's what you are going to be getting by coming to this site and to this experience. So in a lot of ways, you could also think of it as like your competitive advantage. You know, it could be, you know, how you market or brand yourself. But the bottom line is, is it should be some sort of value that you're able to give your users. So I know we're, we're kind of really spending a lot of time on like bounce rate and exit rate, but those are two very common UX uh, goals that are set that also are different than conversion rate. Conversion rate is a very difficult metric to increase as well as sales. So these are some other ones to think about. So you're not just tied to, you know, increasing sales. Sometimes it's a very ambitious goal to tell, you know, someone that you're going to increase their conversion rate by X percent. It can be very diff It can be very difficult. And there also is a lot of variables that go into making a conversion and it has a lot to do with, um, you know, also the digital marketing strategy that the company has. And, you know, Ryan really closed it out. And, and the ways to close out your, you know, your test is making sure you're asking yourselves, did you guys actually solve a problem here? Did you did we actually create something that is more and better functioning than what we had before and making sure that we were more efficient 
compared to the prior iteration. Yeah. And I, I think like there's ways to present this too, right? You want to make it easily digestible of like what happened. So one way to think about it is like take two weeks before you started fixing the problem. So basically when you started the project, look at two weeks before and then look at two weeks after. And then basically what you can do is like you compare like, you know, the two weeks prior to the two weeks after. And hopefully you'll see an improvement in all the metrics that you talked about. You'll see things like better conversion rate, lower bounce rate, lower exit rate. Um, and then you can also do like user surveys. Basically a user used to think the website was a on average a 7 out of 10 and now it's an 8.5 out of 10. So um, the main takeaway is that there's a lot of approaches to like, you know, UX and data are very intertwined. There's some UXers that totally stay away from this. I'm a firm believer that like, it's not overly complicated if you just spend the time, learn about like maybe the five most important website engagement metrics, a lot of which we talked about today. Focus on those, learn about them, understand tips and tricks on how to basically improve those metrics and that's an easy way to position yourself as a data-driven designer. But I don't want to just say data-driven. What I, what I prefer is actually to say you're informed by data, but you're driven by empathy. That is the most important thing you can do as a UX designer. Data is your friend. It can help you. It should not be the only thing that dictates decisions. There's a lot of false positives. There's a lot of things that can also happen. It could also just be set up correctly. There's a lot of human error that goes with data. It could also be seasonality is something else to think about, like where certain companies spike different times of the year. So it's really, really important that you're just using data to kick off the conversation, use it as a way to rally people around a common idea. But the real, real driver should be empathy for your end users. Who is coming on your site? Who's coming into the experience? How can you convert a first time user into a lifelong customer? That's what you should be asking yourself. And the only way you can do that is by running tests and continually finding different ways to tweak the UI and the overall UX to ensure that it is making the common goals. So the reasons that someone is coming onto your site as simple as possible. So that's the main, those are the main things that, you know, I think that we wanted to highlight today. I think the biggest thing is that you should do it. You should make sure you're setting the goals up front, go through some of these steps, pick some metrics out, and pick a framework. There's a ton of frameworks out there. We talked about, you know, one or two today. I, I, those are not the only ones. I've tried multiple ones. And the bottom line is, is that they all will get you similar uh, results. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. And I wanted to take a quick side note on this topic to bring up one thing. So Brendan and I have been making Design Huddle. We basically launched Design Huddle at the beginning of this year. And I know what you're thinking, right? Like this is probably a massively successful podcast. They probably get, you know, thousands and thousands of views per episode. You know, we've been learning, obviously, like some of our early episodes, we took a lot of the feedback from you guys and we're constantly using data to help make better episodes. But one of the things I wanted to share with you guys is that, you know, Brendan and I really do this because we're passionate about like up-leveling the community and educating people on like UX careers. So you know, if, and we'll be fully transparent because we believe that this, you know, this podcast is a conversation. We've made like 125 bucks since we've started in January. I know what you're thinking, you know, go on a shopping spree. But a reason I want to share that with you is that we're not doing this. We've never been, you know, driven by the, the, the monetary impact. But I did want to say that, you know, 
if you think about, you know, if we made $125, let's just say on average, we both put in 80 hours a week or sorry, 80 hours total in this podcast, because this is obviously just like something we do for fun on the side. So if you take, you know, 80 by both of us, that's 160 hours that we both spend on this. So if you take the $125 and divide it by 160 hours, basically we are working for 78 cents per hour. I only bring that up just to kind of show like, you know, we are doing this because we are passionate about design and passionate about UX. So my disregard that soliloquy by me just saying, thank you for listening to this podcast. We really appreciate it. We're not asking for money in any sense, but if you could just do us a favor, share this episode, follow the Design Huddle podcast, follow Brendan on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, tell us that you got value in an episode, tell a friend about the episode that you liked. Um, not every episode might not be for you. It might not be for your for whatever you're going after, but uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback from the community and we greatly appreciate it. So I just wanted to pause there and just say like, please you know, continue to listen, continue to share, and Brendan and I are greatly appreciative of everything that you guys have done. Brendan, what, what do you have to say to the people? That is it, guys. I'm echoing Ryan. Thank you guys so much for all of your love and support. Um, please continue funding my coffee because, as you can see, these fucking plantains got me fucked up on this episode and couldn't even follow Ryan. No, JK. No, thank you, guys. <laughs> uh, we will catch you on the next time on Design Huddle. Peace. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brennan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode.